Welcome to the All Football Podcast. I'm Josh McSwain, here with my co-host AJ Torres, coming at you for the last time in July. The eve of NFL training camps are upon us, and we still have a lot of stories to talk about right now. Biggest one has to be the ongoing Aaron Rodgers saga in Green Bay. Everybody remembers on draft day a few months ago, everybody thought he was out of there for sure. Then there was the rumors about him retiring, which didn't materialize. At least not yet, we don't think. And now there's different messages, like with the social media post, one last dance between Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And a lot of reports are saying that Rodgers has told his closest friends that he'll be back in Green Bay this year. Things have really gone all over the place with this story. But I think, as has been reported before, this is going to be Rodgers' last year as a Packer, and then he'll move on in 2022. So if true, this drastically changes the complexion of the NFC North and the NFC in general. So you think we see Rodgers under center week one? I mean, it's really hard to go off of this point. It, see, it seems like retirement isn't a thing. Otherwise, I think it already would have happened. Like the thing where he just goes, oh, I'll just do Jeopardy. If you think about it, right? If he was going to do that and just retire, I think the negotiations through his agent and everything else would just be squashed. So I think he's going to play. Agreeable? Right. You don't negotiate with a guy that's retired. That's just right. my two cents. I mean, it's different It's different in uh, football, in my opinion. You just don't come back randomly or a year or two later. It's like, hey, I'm taking a year off or I'm not signed. No, he's not retiring. The only concern you I have is, right? If... If Jeopardy hasn't decided on who their host is going to be, I know that LeVar Burton is going to be guest hosting Jeopardy pretty soon. And I think they may have one of us lined up after, but the producers at Jeopardy got to be pretty close to making a choice. They've informed Rogers that he isn't their choice. And so maybe Rodgers doesn't see another path forward anymore. So he's like, well, go back to football. Maybe that's happened. We don't know. I think there's a chance, and I, I called this from the very beginning. I think this is a red herring. You thought the whole story of him that. wanting out was just a ruse? No, him retiring, I think, is a red herring. Quite possibly could have been. I mean, again, just my two cents, but it's just everything going on, his steps, his inconsistency of how he's going about it. It's just what speaks to me. Do I think that this is his last year in Green Bay, though? I think that's probably what it's going to be. And also, because if you think about it, right, all the teams that were in, because you don't try and trade for a quarterback – when it's just before 
you know, that before a couple weeks before preseason. Because if you look at right. the salary caps, free agency, draft, look at how many teams traded could have, I'm sorry, could have traded for Aaron Rodgers. But then, no, we re-signed guys. We have contracts in place. We did the draft. Nothing you could really do now to get the value you want. There's only two teams, and I'm scared because they're in my division. It would be the Broncos or the Raiders. Mm -hmm. And another thing is with uh, Devontae Adams. I'm not sure if it's a thing with Devontae Adams just being like, Nah, man, I'm good because I saw what happened before with Aaron Rodgers for the last two years. Or maybe he's thinking, I don't want a hometown discount. But we've heard, uh, you know, Carr from the Raiders being like, listen, I'll help him find a house. I'll buy him a car. I want him in Vegas. Right. He wants Former Fresno State teammates that want to be back together. It makes sense. It does. But do you see Aaron Rodgers right now, right? The only two teams that could really drop everything and go for him. And by that meaning not just the cap number, but they didn't draft a quarterback or anything else. It's like some people are like, oh, the Jets. It's like, okay, but they look at the what they did this offseason. They just drafted a quarterback. It makes no sense. Yep. And also, everyone's going to hate the age card because of Tom Brady and – Aaron Rodgers is in his late 30s and he's a leaf, but a guy who's like, what, 21, 22 versus a guy who's pushing 40? It's true. Can we guarantee a, a quarterback potential. for four more years for both of them? We can't. Anything yep. can happen. As far as teams that could drop everything and go for Rodgers right now, my first thought was Philadelphia. They might have three first-round picks in next year's draft. Their own, the pick they acquired from the Dolphins, and potentially the Colts' first-round pick, depending on how Carson Wentz plays. Of course, that last one, they don't have it yet. That's okay. kind of the problem. Okay, so three teams. You got the Eagles, the Raiders, and you got the Broncos. But still, the options and the value could have got for them this offseason – could have been much different. There's people that would pay through the nose to get this guy. Hall of Famer. I mean, come on. It's true. I mean, even if Rodgers weren't to play another down in this league, he's still a first ballot Hall of Famer. Correct. He is one of six guys in league history who've won the MVP three or more times. Mm. So it kind of comes down to this. If this is the last year for the Packers to have that Super Bowl contending team. I say that because for the last two years in a row, they were one game away from win it all. Yep. Or for entering to win it all. Just to get yeah. to the big dance. One game away two years in a row. Ah, oh, the pain. I got to get a Packers fan on here just to rant one day. But needless to say, how is a Packers rebuild going to do? Because – Jordan Love, we don't know who he is. The wide receivers has been Adams and everybody else by a long shot. I yep. mean, where does this team go? I mean, the defense is, I, I would say, above average. But then you have two running backs and then wide receivers that are a dime a dozen. 
Right. And if you look at it, what's scary? If you're a Packers fan, guess what happens after this year? No Rodgers, no Adams. It's true. That division is a very open. Yeah, I'm thinking full-scale rebuild could be in order. And guess what? If you're a Packers fan, guess what that means? Because that division is old school. Those guys hate each other in that division. Mm-hmm. Think about it. It is a Bears and Vikings division without Rodgers and Adams on that team. Right. Of course, with Cousins, we aren't necessarily sure about his situation. It always seems like he's on thin ice in Minnesota. I think he just got a contract extension, but I still feel like the Vikings have a way to get out of it. If I remember right, wouldn't surprise me. Although, you you brought this up to me just not long ago, and Kirk Cousins does produce for a guy not having the non-clutch gene, but it's just the only part about Kirk that just gets to me is every time that you need him the most, and it is a must win. There's a lot of times where you just kind of think he has it, but then just something happens to screw it up. Right. It's just if you look at some other guys who are very talented and at that level, he just doesn't have it in comparison to those guys. It's really the primetime games. Like of all the times he's played on Monday night, he's only won once. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is like, it's just so, so subpar. It's like, hey, are the lights. You see, on you see, Monday night and Sunday night, we had jokes, okay? But, mm-hmm. And then the playoffs came, and it's just like, okay, he's not too bad. But when you look at the primetime games, are the lights, and you say, wow, this guy has lost every single one of them but one or two maybe. You know, it's it's absolutely outrageous, cut and dry. You read the statistics and you say, this is bad. And this is the guy that we're paying through the nose for. Right. I mean, his overall not, numbers aren't that bad either. Good but, not yeah, great. it's just you look well, at those like crucial games, and he, yeah, he is very erratic to be kind. But anyways. Also, here's one thing uh, before we uh, get off uh, that topic. You've seen the – you showed me the statistics of Kirk as a Washington quarterback. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Do you think letting him walk was a bad thing to do for Washington? Just letting him walk for nothing. Yeah, because they could have gotten something for him. I shouldn't have franchise-tagged him multiple times. Then if they didn't have any desire to keep him because they thought he wasn't a championship quarterback, well, someone else is going to pay for what he can do. Also, if you kind of look at it, right, if you think about this, it's like, okay, we're going to franchise-tag you. We're going to franchise-tag you again, and his that contract that year is like $28 million or something. And then the Vikings are like, we need somebody badly. You're our guy. Guess what Washington could have did? They could have just signed him to one of those five-year, $110 million contracts, 80 of it guaranteed. And I 
I honestly think he would have taken that and you would have seen their golden boy. I think there's a chance that you still could have seen him in the new uniforms, going from the old name to the new name, possibly another name. That guy could have been their franchise guy. Now, the torch is being passed uh, to Green Bay for hopefully the Packers fans a third time. But the fact that for the last decade or so, it's been a Green Bay division for the most part, and the Bears and Vikings are right there in front, and the Packers are going to be mediocre, well, a lot of people will think. It, it's kind of a... It's kind of a culture shock as a, just a football fan. Yep. Pretty much since the early 90s, the Packers have had a very highly regarded quarterback. I mean, there were some years there that Brett Favre was erratic, but overall, a lot of peaks within that tenure. And obviously, the Bears have been looking for a quarterback since Sid Luckman. And the Vikings have been up and down. That's <laughs> just straight shade. <laughs> oh, man. Although my father being a Jets fan, uh, I just, I just want to say uh, they recently just had a coach that passed away because he was hit well. On his uh, bicycle trip, I'm not sure if he was uh, just working out or just pedaling for uh, whatever the case may be, but he was hit by a car and he uh, is no longer with us. And as soon as I uh, talked to my father that night and he just goes, listen, poor bastard, man. But let me tell you something. Everyone talks about curses like the Kardashian curse, the second round pick curse. You want a curse? Try following the Jets, okay? And from there, that's all, that's all he had to say. He was quiet. Yeah, Greg Knapp, he was the coach you're referring to. Condolences to all his family for that. Agreed. And you were wanting to talk about the Saints, another team that is also in transition right now. They are going to have a training camp battle with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill at quarterback. I think if they actually start Taysom Hill week one, that they're kidding themselves. Also, guess who they signed just recently? I actually don't know. Does the name Chris Hogan ring a bell? Oh, yeah. One of the fleet of white Patriot receivers. And guess what he was doing the, the – uh, during the off season, playing lacrosse. Yeah, he basically just went back from Premier League lacrosse, and then uh, they basically just be like, "Hey, man, you interested?" And he goes, "Hey, I'm in shape." True. <laughs> uh, I'm going through my updates. Uh, let's see, we got Jesse James. Oh my! Of all the Bears tight ends that have been in the system the last two or three years, they add Jesse James into the mix. Funny, but yet sad. We got Jonathan Allen signed, defensive tackle on the Washington defensive line. Uh, Those four guys on the line, we got Montez Sweat, Darren Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Chase Young. Average age, 24 years old. 
Indeed. Ooh, here's one. There's a four-star recruit. This guy is a – his father is a Hall of Famer, and he is committed to play at Michigan State as a wide receiver. This is Antonio Gates Jr. I'm ex- Now, I'm not big into college football by any means, but – I'm really excited about this, man. It's nice seeing guys like this patch the torch. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, he does as well as Frank Gore Jr. You know. Yeah, some name recognition there. And what's funny is Antonio Gates Sr. played basketball in college for Kent State, and then joined the Chargers. And well, he took off from there. I feel like now let's go to another too. story that is interesting. Chandler Jones, pass rush extraordinaire for the Cardinals, is now requesting a trade out of Arizona right when everything was starting to look up for Arizona. You know, it was actually funny, too, because uh, I remember when we did uh, the mock draft predictions, I actually thought that Chandler, J.J., uh, you get all the guys that they have there on the front seven – and I thought that was just going to be lethal. But we're in, we're in an age where one guy's going to be like, oh, I need a new contract. I need a new contract. This guy's making more. I'm better than him. It sounds like baseball with their contracts. And I was actually kind of asking some people, because if you look at what everybody's doing, like if you looked at the Saints that are negative $100 million in cap space, you think there's ever going to be a time where we're just going to end up doing it like baseball, where it's like, listen, our cap is X, but every dollar you go over, you're paying double. And if it's, I think it's like if you're over the cap for X amount of years in a row, it ends up going more. Like, it's like, hey, dude, you're over the cap for the fifth year in a row. It's two and a half times for every dollar you go over. So for every dollar you go over, you pay $2.50. Okay. I, I don't know. It's just that instead of, you know, having uh, $100 million in the hole for one year and all this, uh, you know, all this stuff they try to configure it out, oh, pay this year, pay 10 years later, whatever, just straight up do it like baseball, being like, hey, you got this amount of money that's on the books. We could choose not to pay. Like, let's say a guy's supposed to be uh, $20 million. We don't have to pay the full 20. We're paying you 15. This will help us cut off a luxury tax, stuff like that. I just think it'll be a better system. The players union actually might like it too. Who knows? Maybe. It'll be a theory for another time. Uh, maybe I have to write it in like uh, article format, but. Thought? Thought? Any opinion on that? It would certainly be a departure from the system that has been in place for a long time and I'm sure would be met with some resistance. People hate change, man. People hate change. They're probably going to look at the NBA and MLB and say that it only favors the big market teams and all that. All right. 
So I know we've been quiet about this, and we try to keep this less about politics as we can. But the one thing that shocked me, and listen, I got the shots, but Rick Dennison is refusing the COVID vaccine. He's had his uh, offensive line coach and run game coordinating job the last two years. He was promoted to assistant offensive line. Oh, I'm sorry. A guy already has position filled. He's leaving the team and basically resigning because he won't get the shots. Now, I personally wouldn't do it, but that was protest. I mean, is there going to be – I mean, are you shocked? I know there's a lot of players that are considering not getting the vaccine. Some guys are threatening retirement over the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is going to be an issue or – do you think this is just going to be a quick pass thing? I mean, I don't even want to bet on the Bills for odds on the Super Bowl because some of these guys, including their quarterback, possibly might get in trouble for not get for not getting the shot. I mean, it's going to be crazy whatever happens here. I know that before you attend a lot of universities here in the States, you have to get immunized for meningitis and some other things. And I'm sure the NFL has certain other things that they would require vaccinations for. So I know we have a Delta variant, and now I've heard a little bit about a new Lambda variant of the virus. Personally, I think enough shots have been administered that most people should say that it's safe, but there's always going to be those yelling about freedom and all that jazz. And like you've said, it just gets exhausting. But if these franchises are privately owned businesses, I don't see how they couldn't require it. Well, if they wanted to, of course. If a team owner says you have to be vaccinated to play on this team, I don't see what would stop them from doing it. Uh, if my only thought from there would be uh, the Players Association. But, because, but if you've noticed that in comparison to other sports, the NFL Players Association or the quote-unquote union, the players will say it's pretty piss poor. Yeah, because if you compare yeah, it to so you're wrong if you compare it to Major League Baseball, if you compare it to the NBA, the NFL Players Association is piss poor. Shout out to my Pacers, Gold don't quit. <laughs> yeah, players union has not done a good job with its players recently. Although, I kind of think the league has a history of dominating its players absolutely i was just reading about the 1982 season a little earlier today what's most notable about that season at least to me what stood out was that mark mosley the redskins place kicker was mvp that season that's right this happened (laughs) because the season was shortened to nine games weeks three through ten the players struck and then the games were just never made up. They just went into the playoffs, 
They had eight teams per conference make the team. They just they scrapped divisions, just seeded one through, I guess, 13 or 14, however many were in each conference. <laughs> and then no first-round buys, you just go for it. And then it ended up happening that the Redskins uh. beat the Dolphins in the Super Bowl that year. That was the first Redskins Super Bowl victory. And then their next one was in 87. That was the scab year. Yep, the one where you had players on strike and then some of them hopped the picket lines, picket fences. I forget what they call. Maybe pickets charge if they're going to reference the Battle of Gettysburg. You get the point. <laughs> Anyways. That's why I love you, man. Jason <laughs> Point, there was a 30 for 30 about this about the Redskins scab team members. They didn't get their Super Bowl rings until 2018, but those guys finally got the respect they deserve. Gotcha. So I finally found it. So here's, and this is because uh, I mentioned the Saints. I've got to finish on that. I did say speaking of gold. So if you think about the weapons that were lost on the Saints, Drew Brees, Trey Hendrickson, Sheldon Rankins, Emmanuel Sanders, Janoris Jenkins, Jared Cook, Mm -hmm. Thomas Morstead, seven guys. Michael Thomas will miss the start of the season because of his ankle. Mm -hmm. David Onyemata suspends six games. Marshawn Lattimore could be suspended. And the way that this goes, most likely going to be suspended. Uh, The pain... That's 10 right there. Quarterback situation aside, the guys from the Atlanta Falcon fan base from undrafted sports, they call them the ain'ts for a reason. And there ain't one ounce of optimism here. Well, there's not much reason to be. Trey Hendrickson was a breakout player last year, one of the top sack getters in the whole league. He leaves for the Bengals. With Breeze, though, he was obviously in decline last year. But he didn't really have a great option to replace him. Well, I mean, Jameis Winston, you never know what's going to happen with famous Jameis. Taysom Hill is not an NFL quarterback. He's a useful NFL player, but he's not a starting quarterback. And then you talked about... The other guys, Janoris Jenkins and the rest of them. This might be a team that goes from first to worst next season. Oof. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. All right. So I got a good one for you. They're releasing the Madden Raidens. Now, listen, I've said this on the show multiple times. That once it started in, I want to say, 2013, Madden started to go downhill. It started to be more about, oh, the 99 club. Oh, how we rank players, certain updates. And just the quality of gameplay started to just go downhill. Outside of roster uh, changes and updates, it's really been nothing much going on. It's just been like a bad resubscription every year, and a lot of people will say it. So here is an interesting one, and we've talked about this uh, briefly, but they have the EA Madden 2022, 
top 10 wide receivers. Okay. And I disagree with that, with this list. And I'm just going to give you, I'm going to tell you the list of one to 10. And then I'll just say, who are you taking out? One, All right. Devontae Adams. So he's ranked as the best Num- receiver, right? Number one. Okay. An overall ranking of 99 as well. Okay. Two, Hopkins. Okay. I'd sw- I'd switch those personally. Three, Tyreek Hill. Okay. Four, Stefan Diggs. Okay. Five, Julio Jones. If he's healthy, that would probably be a tad low. But, of course, we have no idea what okay, his health is going to be like or how he'll produce in a Tennessee offense with – Eric Henry and AJ Brown, so it's tough to judge. By health, I mean we gotta go by consistency. We gotta go by consistency here, and even when he's not hurt, me even when he's hurt and he's not out per se, he still has to perform there. His his time goes against them. With the amount of time that he misses and him missing about eight games a year, I can't put him in the top five. I just can't. Well, actually, that's not entirely accurate. He'll usually miss five or fewer games. Last year was a bit of an anomaly when he missed seven. However, you are correct. He does play dinged up quite a bit. Yes. Been going on for more years than not at this point. Yeah, sounds about right. Okay. Number six, Michael Thomas. Hmm, Okay. And with the injuries going on, his ankle, I just don't know where you rank him. Right. Yeah, now. he's another tough one. Number seven, Keenan Allen. That's another guy you could say, hey, when healthy consistently over the last couple of years, can he be? It is yeah. a discussion. I just don't know if he's number seven. Right. Number eight, Amari Cooper. Hmm. That one might be a tad high. Number nine, Mike Evans. I've and been waiting 10, for him. Number 10. I think he should be Alan a few Robinson. spots higher. The only reason why I think that nine is okay for him, and if, even if he makes the top 10, because if you look at his numbers last year, he had touchdowns, but he didn't have the yardage. Remember the two touchdowns, two yards game? Not two off the top of my head, but okay. Two pass attempts, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. That was his stat line of the game. <laughs> it's unique for sure. Very. But I just don't I just don't think that if you go by the system and everything happened there, right? Plus there was Chris Godwin on the team. I was wondering right. if he I'm wondering where he ranks as far as wide receivers go. I think mm-hmm. he's got a shot in there. Mm-hmm. I think Metcalf could have a shot in there. Yeah. But okay, I guess who's number ten. Allen Robinson. Okay. He's deserving of it. You mentioned Metcalf. He's a good option. What about Terry McLaurin in Washington? 
He's another highly mm -hmm. underrated guy in my view. I'd put him in the top 15 for sure. The, mm -hmm. pro the problem being is even though I got fantasy football coming up and with within about a month or so for the two tournaments I'm playing in, uh, outside of uh, – I'm not sure when Undraft is doing theirs, but I kind of always said this. The top 10 wide receivers, depending on how you rank them yourself, we're all going to have different lists, so it seems. But there's a lot of wide receivers that are still great in the top 25, and that's where your bread and bar picks of your fantasy round comes into play. Like if right. you, like you mentioned Terry McLaurin, and the last couple, last what two years he's had inconsistent quarterbacks. That's being kind, but yes. How many quarterbacks has Terry McLaurin had the last couple of years? Four, five? Well, he had three this past year alone. And then the last year he had two? I can't remember off the top of my head, so but if probably. We go, so if we go in three seasons, we got Smith. We had yep. uh, Kyle Allen. Yep. Haskins. Yep. Heineke. Uh, Heineke. There was one more guy, I believe, and then you're going to have Fitzmagic. That's six. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have six quarterbacks in three seasons, then you could still get around, what, 1,000 yards this season? I think pretty good. Yeah. It's also surprising no Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry. Of course, they might be bigger names than how they've produced – at this moment in time, but surprising they're not on the list is all I'm saying. <laughs> You'd expect names like that to be up there, but yeah, it's kind of hard with the top 10 you mentioned. Who do you take out? Yes. It's just so difficult. And how you weigh talent and reliability is another huge thing. Well, as we discussed with quarterbacks, right, if you want to go by talent and if you want to go by numbers, you know what I mean, and then consistency, the lists really differ. The only time I say there's a bad list is when I think there's a couple that are just a reach or some sort of stretch. Like, for example, McCole mm -hmm. uh, Hardman in uh, Madden 22, and he's my guy. It sounds a little biased when I say that, but his speed in Madden 22 is 97. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's upper 90s, okay? I'm not going to say that he's going to be a top 15 or a top 20 wide receiver this year. He hasn't showed me, and if you look at the scheme being majority of Hill and Kelsey – I have no right to say that. That's a reach. If I said, hey, a Packers wide receiver is going to be a top 25 this year that's not named Devontae Adams, I'm pretty sure that somebody's going to laugh at me and they have every single right to. Wrong? Mm -hmm. It's unfortunately just how it goes.
it's very unfortunate, but it is what it is. Indeed. Well, briefly, I wanted to go overseas to Japan where we have the Olympic football tournaments going on right now. The U.S. women stumbled out of the gate losing 3-0 to Sweden. And after the game, they mostly said they just didn't have the right mentality and just were not ready for Sweden. This is probably the biggest rivalry the U.S. women's team has is the Swedes knocked them out of the last Olympic Games in a penalty shootout. And they played each other in the same group in the last World Cup. The U.S. won that one and was on their way to the World Cup championship. Sweden almost made it to the title game. They lost to the Netherlands in the semis of the World Cup. But yeah, those two are always seemingly at each other's throats, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them again at some point down the line. The U.S. rebounded by beating New Zealand 6-1, to and now their next opponent is Australia. Australia is a very good team. They kind of disappointed in the World Cup whenever they lost in the round of 16 to Norway. Not to say that Norway is a bad team, but Australia was kind of thought of as a potential spoiler that could potentially have beaten the U.S., but obviously it didn't happen. Otherwise, we have the Netherlands and Brazil who are fighting it out. The Netherlands top five world team and they're looking to get back on top after losing the world cup final to the u.s and then the the british women's team has won its first two games in their group and then much like the men's team at the euros they have not allowed a goal yet we'll see if that keeps up (laughs) So we hope, so we hope. Yes, the Netherlands, or not the Netherlands, the British and the United States, that semifinal was a classic. And then, of course, everybody remembers Alyssa Nair from the U.S. making the stop on the penalty kick, which preserved the U.S. lead. So it'll be a very interesting tournament to see how it unfolds. And then for the men, again, we have some very interesting action over here. We've got Mexico in Group A. They won Olympic gold back in 2012. They're competing against Japan and France and South Africa in Group A, trying to advance out of that group. And... The biggest names are both in Group D. We have Brazil and Germany, the two most notorious and accomplished nations on the men's side. Brazil took the opening match for those two teams, beating Germany 4-2. to But Brazil then had a draw against Ivory Coast, and Germany then defeated Saudi Arabia. In Group C, we have Spain, Australia, Argentina, and Egypt. Argentina's fresh off their victory in 
South American Cup. Spain had a very gut-wrenching loss in the Euro tournament to Italy. They might be out trying to get back on top with that one, have a chip on their shoulder there. Group B just... I don't know how this one came together. It's South Korea, Honduras, New Zealand, and Romania. <laughs> Very odd hodgepodge of teams there. Picking names out of a hat today, aren't we? I guess so. Certainly sounds like it. And also keep in mind that these Olympic teams are not always the best players that these countries have to offer. This is more of a juniors and under 25 type tournament, but I'm sure we'll be seeing these guys in the premier league and other high caliber leagues very soon. Group stage is almost over. We, there's one more match day for both the men and the women. The women are going first on July 27th, with the men going on July 28th. So, obviously, it's in Japan. It's middle of the night when they play. So, set your DVRs, everybody. That's probably the best piece of advice. <laughs> yep. People got to work. Yes. Although, here's a, just a random question. Because... Uh, when it comes to sports, right, isn't that one of the hardest things to DVR? It really is. Is there, like, is there anything harder than trying to DVR a sport? Like, even ESPN had a commercial, like, they're promoting their ESPN app. Like, it was before, like, uh, these guys are holding a big radio and the announcer is going, oh, that was the clutchest thing I've ever seen. It was so clutch. Clive, you seen that? was so clutch. You just had to see it. These two guys are next to each other, and they're like, ah. Then next thing you know, a couple years later, he goes, uh, hey, man, did you see the game? He goes, man, I got on DVR. And we go, oh, Tigers won. Ah. <laughs> and then they go to the app, and they start watching the game. <laughs> Everything's all hunky-dory. Right. Avoiding social media to see the results can get hard. <laughs> it, like, especially, uh, I mean, Twitter's the hardest. Not so much yep. uh, Instagram, but it depends. If you have notifications turned on, it's just kind of like, uh, all right, man, uh, it's either I'm, I'm sleeping or, you know, wh whatever the case may be, you know, you're working, you got something special going on. Some people, they're, you know, could be out of the nation, might have their phone turned off because they got to go to Canada or south of the border. I don't know. But just trying to DVR something and trying to just savor it to not know anything, probably the hardest thing to do as a fan. TV, it is you indeed a challenge. It. TV, you could get away with it. You can. But when it comes to sports and it's live and depending on how important the game is, good luck. And for all those there that do DVR their games so they could see, we wish you the best of luck and you are in our thoughts. Dota Pain. There you have it. Well, that wraps it up for me. Any final thoughts? 
I think that was a great way to end it. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Well, thank you all for listening, and don't forget to check us out on YouTube, All Football Podcast, and on Twitter at All Football Pod One. On behalf of AJ Torres and Josh McSwain, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>